As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light. He's Ari Wasserman. Ari, let's talk recruiting. Yeah, let's talk recruiting. Um, we're re- How was that, by the way? You always say I'm yeah, far too robotic. Yes, that was intro. I kind of sh- a little tighter there. Is that, is that it okay? It sounded less awkward. Yes, I thought okay. it was good. Still awkward, but less awkward. You're not 100% there, but improvement's all I can ask for right now. That's, a, that's what I'm striving for. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting show from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman. How are you doing today, Ari? I just said that. Yeah, but it's like, just say it like you're talking to me. Okay. So we have not, we've talked since, but we have not had the podcast in two weeks since signing day, a, a big signing day, an epic signing day, some huge surprises. Now that you've had a couple of weeks to digest, anything, any, what surprised you other than Travis Hunter? You know, Travis Hunter in Texas A&M, which wasn't a surprise because we saw that coming. As, as you, you know, look back, anything jump out at you? You know, obviously the thing that jumps out at you the most is Texas A&M you know, and what they're doing because, you know, it's been a team that has, you know, recruited fairly well. I'm talking top 10 classes in the last, you know, five, 10 years. It wouldn't be weird to see A&M up there, but the way that they are dominating right now is at a level that even Alabama hasn't, you know, in terms of they are on track right now to potentially sign the best class in the history of modern day recruiting. And there's five-star prospects, um, still out there like Harold Perkins and Shamar Stewart that are still leaning towards A&M. Jacoby Matthews from uh, Louisiana. A&M is in the mix there. I mean, you know, their class could get up to 30 guys and 15 or 16 of them could be top 100 players, you know, and uh, six or seven five-star prospects. It's like that is unbelievable. And the thing that is interesting, and I don't remember if we discussed this the last time, is is that, you know, I get a lot of questions in the mailbag and, you know, on Twitter, and it's just like, what is going on at A&M? And I think that the the thought process is that NIL is the reason for all of this, or that A&M has some sort of financial system or situation right now that's giving them the boost and helping them recruit that way. And it's like, maybe that's true, um, but I just don't know tangibly what that is, so it's hard to really dissect that. And I get like a little frustrated about this because, and it's the same way that I used to get frustrated when, you know, before NIL passed and everybody would just assume bag man, bag man, bag man, anytime somebody got a commitment. And I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to sit here and act like that never happens or it doesn't happen. But if you just um, simplify everything that happens in the recruiting trail as payment then it takes away the analysis. It takes okay, away. What's there to talk about? It takes away who's doing well, who, which coaches would you hire? It takes away everything that we do. And the fact of the matter is, is that NIL is certainly going to have an impact on, on the way things go, especially in the interim as the market is setting itself and different places are probably more apt to do things that other places won't. But this isn't going to be a thing that is going to shift the parrot. It's unlike Texas A&M is now Alabama. Because if Texas A&M is doing something that has allowed them to to sign this class and they do have an advantage financially in this cycle, do you not think that Michigan, Ohio State, USC, Texas, especially Texas, 
Alabama, LSU, and Clemson and Georgia aren't going to figure out what that was and then do it too. Well, Texas just, already has something. You know, it's like the slush place. fund thing where yeah. a big donor sets up a, a fund. I don't even know what slush fund means, and I like to think that I'm pretty, you know, good at understanding investments and, and financial products and stuff. But basically, a way to make sure that every single person who plays on that roster as a scholarship player earns some money somehow. The one thing I will say though is. 5000 bucks is a lot of money. 10000 bucks is a lot of money. It's not life-changing anymore. And if you are a five-star prospect at safety or quarterback or running back or any other position, and you're making your college decision and choosing Texas A&M or another school based only on the NIL in the short term, and you're turning your back on Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson or one of the places that has traditionally turned out NFL picks year after year after year, then you're making a stupid financial decision. You're taking the thing that's in front of you without thinking about the bigger picture. And most people are smart enough to see that. And some people are dumb. And if you're dumb enough to do that, then I don't know if that's somebody that I'd want to build my program around anyway. And I know that's kind of a funny thing to say because it's just like, of course you want a five-star prospect and every coach would sell their soul to get even one. But like if your analysis of the Texas A&M situation is they're cheating or they're doing something in NIL that's not kosher, that's the wrong way to look at it. I think the right way to look at it is A&M was innovative enough to figure out how to win within the rules, and it's the same way that coaches bend or bend the rules or adapt to the rules better than others that aren't financial. Which teams can get the most headway in the camp circuit? Which teams have the best, most profound or a uh, big recruiting departments within the realm of the rules adjusting to the realm of the rules is part of the game so if AM is doing this nil thing and it is the reason why they're doing so well this year then they did well that then they did really really well this year and other teams will adapt the following year so i'm very impressed by jimbo fisher and his staff if it's financial i'm impressed by the fact that they were able to, to carve out something that other programs weren't and if it wasn't then I'm impressed by the results that they are, but the only important thing in this game, Mitch, and sorry for the rant, but it's something that's been bothering me. The only thing that matters is that they got the players. And in college football, the only thing people are going to care about is who wins and loses, and you win and lose based on who gets the players. So if you don't like it, then find a new sport where they also play the players. I I, I don't really know how to... how to, to or, or where there's a draft and the worst teams get the, the top pick. But not. I'll say that Texas A&M has a lot to sell. I mean, that, that's, it's a great college football program that has not pretty much ever realized its potential. I've been doing down to a game there. Great atmosphere. Very supportive in every great facility. So it's not shocking. The only thing that's shocking is that Texas A&M maybe elbow out Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and get the number one class. But it's not shocking that a national championship coach in Jimbo Fisher has gone to a place that has untapped potential and is signing a great class. And a lot of it's just momentum. It's what you write about. It's what you talk about all the time. The cool kids. Once a few great players start to go, that leads to more great players. And they have just capitalized on a great year for prospects in the Houston area, which is already always very good. And they've complimented that guys with guys like Walter Nolan from Tennessee because he saw what else was going on there. So not surprising at all. But I, I got a quick question about you because you've got more history with this. Oh, one thing before I wanted yeah. to say, and I always do this to you, and I'm sorry for that. AM has 27 commitments and 16 of them are from Texas. Yeah. They've got five 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 star commits right now, and three of them are from Texas. They have benefited greatly from a very deep cycle in the state. And they it's not like they're just getting yes, they've done a good job. They've gotten a few kids out of Georgia. Yeah, I, they got a few yeah. out of Washington, Arizona, Florida, Louisiana, Pennsylvania, and Tennessee. Like, I'm not saying they didn't do a great job nationally, but it's not like their entire class was random kid out of California, random kid out of out of Colorado, random kid out of right. great, I mean, great they, year they in the Houston. Did a really good job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they did a great job in the Houston area, and it's something that they did last year at the end of the 2021 cycle before NIL was was legal. So if you want to get back to bagmen because you're upset that your team sucks, then that's your prerogative. But they've done a pretty good job historically recruiting, and now they have a, a coach who has won a national championship in the BCS era and, you know, did all the things that he needed to do in order to, you know, make himself a brand name and he's recruiting a top level class. Now A&M is going to have a better team because of this. And I think this is going to become more and more regular. So it'll be very interesting to see if, if this is an NIL thing 
I'll promise you one thing, Mitch. They're not going to sign the number one class again next year. A year is a long time to get your money right, and these other schools will do it. Um, but I have a feeling that Texas A&M is going to be here to stay. Yeah, so with the number one classes, obviously, it's not average player rating, which we're going to get into uh, with in another topic. It's it's overall points, right? So like we're, we're comparing – if we're going to compare Texas A&M's 2022 class, which has the potential to be the best ever, with an Alabama class from 2017 or 16, it's overall points. So – because of the rule this year where you're allowed to sign seven additional players uh, or up to up to seven based on how many players you lost in the transfer portal, overall class points are going to be inflated this year, right? So that's, right. that's just something to consider. Not that Texas A&M should give back its crown by any stretch because they're competing in the same year with the same rules. But if we're comparing 2022 classes – those are going to be have more points than classes the past five or ten years with that hard cap. I know with you can play around and get 26, 26 or twenty seven signings, but not thirty or thirty one like some schools are going to have because of the rule this year. I think that it's a good segue into the um, the points versus average player ranking. Yeah, I, I want to bring that up because I thought there was a question in your mailbag uh, at the athletic. Uh, in every yeah, take a look. There's a, but a specific question, an, e, an oh, eager, yeah. zealous, excited Michigan fan, and as you note, note in your question, Michigan fans have every reason to be fired up. They beat Ohio State badly on the field. They're playing the college football playoff. They've got a good recruiting class. But the gist of this question was, is the gap closing? Michigan's class is ninth. Ohio State's class is only fourth. Is Michigan closing the gap? And you basically set the record straight well here's the thing to me the total points of a class is not the metric that i use to decide which class is the best the average player rating is the metric that i use because the average player rating shells you based on the entire class from top to bottom what the average player would look like you know and right now Alabama's average player rating is 95.1. Higher than Texas A&M. Which is higher than Texas A&M and the best overall rating in the class. So, like, last year, Alabama set the record for highest average player rating of all time at 94.99. So, technically speaking, Texas A&M is going to win the crown this year. But A&M, I mean, sorry, but Alabama is still going to have signed the best class of all time because from top to bottom... It is just the best quality. And just so people know, a player that's rated at 95 is a player who's in the top 100. And that means that the average player in Alabama's class, which currently I believe has 24 commitments, yes. the average player is a top 100 which player. Is crazy. Like the, every single player going into the program basically is a top 100 player on average. Now, obviously, a five-star prospect who's ranked number five, you know, helps bring the average down to somebody who's rated 172 into the top 100. So I'm not saying that every single player in Alabama's class is a top 100 player, but on average, that's the quality of player that Alabama is bringing in. So to segue back to the Ohio State-Michigan discussion, the question also framed it as, is Michigan closing the gap because Ohio State is a step behind A&M, Alabama, and Georgia? And I think that if you look closely at the way the rankings look right now, Ohio State has 18 commitments. A&M has 27, Alabama has 24, and Georgia has 26. Ohio State still has two five-star prospects, uh, 14 four-star prospects, and eight top 100 players. It could be 9 or 10 by the time the cycle's over with. Their average player rating is 94.04, which is the third highest in the, in, in the class. In the 2017 class that Ohio State signed, which at the time had the highest rate, average player rating of all time, I think that this one is higher than that. So, like, when you actually get down to the brass tactics of, like, what Ohio State's class is, yeah, it looks ugly at number four because and ugly they is want to be very in the top relative. three or two. Like, ugly, ugly is very relative. Ugly for yeah. Ohio State, right. I mean, number four <laughs> is, is amazing for, for most programs. And Michigan's at number nine. But if you take a look, Michigan still has, I believe, five more commitments than Ohio State, one less five-star prospect, and their average player rating is 89.9. And the difference between 94 and 89 
is huge. It's it's massive. I think Ohio State's average player in their class, I think, would be in the top 125, fringe top 100, and Michigan's is somewhere in the 300. Now, Michigan's so, like, average player a, rating of 89.9, which you just mentioned, would be 15th. So their overall class is ninth. 15th overall. Oh, 15th overall. So, and and obviously Michigan had a great year. There's no question in their class. They could still out of they could still out of five star. You know Josh Connerly. Yeah, and they've done some work in the portal. Like I'm not saying that Michigan's had a bad cycle. They've had a great cycle. If I'm a Michigan fan, I am super excited about everything that's going on, and I've got a playoff game to watch on Friday. It's all great stuff. But when you look at the way that Ohio State is recruiting, it's unequivocally a huge gap. It's a fact. And the way that Michigan beat Ohio state on the field this year, despite that talent gap might make you might make somebody think it's irrelevant, but I would have you pump your brakes because there's a reason why Ohio state won like 18 of the last 20 matchups or whatever it was coming into the year. So the hope if you're a Michigan fan, in my opinion would be that they take the success of this year and sign a class that has 10 top 100 players a year from in now. this. And I don't know if that's possible, but they, it's not about Ohio state, Ohio state standard of how they're recruiting is set in stone. I think at this point, they're going to be signing top five classes with 10 top 100 prospects every year. Michigan has to rise to that standard. If they want to close the gap of talent coming in the question, world. ignored Penn state, which had a better class in both metrics, the number six class overall in an average player rating of nine, 90.87, which was 11th. Penn State signed four top 100 players. Michigan signed three top 100 players. So, uh, you know, Michigan and Penn State are both signing very good classes that will keep them competitive in theory with Ohio State, but still a very large step behind in overall talent. Now, Penn State hopes that Drew Aller is as good as everyone thinks and is a the best quarterback at Penn State in 10, 15, 20 years and is good enough to lead them past uh, past Ohio State, where Michigan has done it this year with a good but far from great college quarterback. So there's, it's it's about overall roster, and you, I think there's a mailbag question about this too. It's about overall roster talent, along with hitting the quarterback position correctly. Um, Want to transition to something that probably the biggest development outside of Jackson State and and uh, Travis Hunter of the the past month in recruiting that we haven't really seen come to fruition yet because of the small 2023, 2022 class, but USC and Lincoln Riley. We've seen it's a very small class. Their, their average player rating is actually like fourth or fifth, very high. They signed four stars. Which is easy when you have like right, five right. players. They signed four class. stars Zion Branch of Bishop Gorman in the early signing period. The key there is his, his younger brother, Zachariah Branch, five-star wide receiver from the 2023 class, has already committed. So my question to you, and – We've kind of touched on this in the past, but I'm interested to see your take based on these recent developments. Is with USC looking like it's going to lock down Southern California, now they're not going to get every elite player there, and Texas A&M's emergence as a dominant power and getting most of the Houston kids, and Texas doing a good job. As it relates to Ohio State, any concern for Buckeyes fans that those two areas, which Ohio State's been able to pry some five stars away in recent years is going to be taken away. First of all, before we get into that question, I just want to say that this has to be the first time in modern recruiting history that a team uh, with two five-star prospects in their class finished outside the top 60. What, what do you think that can, uh, you know, I don't know how many more guys are going to sign. I would imagine they'll get into the into the top 50 easily in, after February. Yeah, I mean, they jumped from like, I think they, it's, I don't know how many players are going to sign. Antonio Morales thinks it could be over 10, so we'll see where they get to. And it's like, obviously the first class at USC is going to really, you know, see dividends will be in the 2023 class, uh, a class right now that I believe only has four commitments and three of which are five-star prospects. And, you know, if things stay this way, they would shatter the average player rating record. Um, it can't stay this way because no team ever goes three out of four for an entire class, five-star prospects, but it's a good start. And all those kids, I think, no, not Zachariah branch, but, Nelson and Lemon were once committed to Oklahoma for yes. him. So that was obviously. And DeAndre happen. Moore, five star, um, still in theory, I think he's still committed to Oklahoma, but I would not close the door on him to USC yeah, either. Yeah. He said he's staying loyal to Oklahoma and a year is a long time. So we'll see what goes on. That said, um, the question was what again? Sorry, I, I lost my. Per- Ohio lost State my has done. His, uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yes, yes. I got you. And, I got and you. let me back okay. up. Like you, you, you've written over the years, a school like Ohio State. 
sure, you have to lock down your your own state and get all the five stars there, but you can't become a national power without going out of state. Mm-hmm. And that's Ohio State has done extremely well in Texas and pretty well in California. So, yes. So answer the question. I, I'm with you. I think that the brilliance that Mark Pan. So we did the uh, the. It's hard for us to stay survey. on a straight line here because we have so many tangents and so many things we want to talk about. So now, you, yeah, but I think it's right. Right. That's, I'm, and, I'm, I'm saying go ahead, go off on this tangent. But I will say when we, it's not a tangent. <laughs> it, it's going to lead into the answer. We did the um, where Bruce Feldman and I contacted over 30 recruiting staffers in America from every conference across the uh, coast to coast. And just ask people who they thought were the best recruiting coordinators in college football. And we ran the story before Christmas, I think. And number one was Mark Pantone on that list, who's Ohio State's director of player personnel and basically the GM of Ohio State's football program. And having covered him for so long, I will say the brilliance of the man is that he's always aware of the national landscape as it pertains to who's up. Who's down? Whose coach is getting fired? Who's which high school coaches right are now? pissed at? You know which, which, yeah, yeah. Like he knew. Like if somebody got fired, then he knew. Okay, we're going to attack that area in the next cycle because the home team is weak. So Ohio State's. If you go back and you look at their classes, they've always been a nationally recruiting outfit since Urban Meyer took over I love in two thousand twelve. Landis, Bill Landis uses it a lot. Yeah, I don't. I think okay. I used it because of yeah. him. If we're being honest. But also, you can go look and see how their national recruiting results have shifted. Like, it'd be interesting, and I'm sure Bill could write a story about this, but I remember before Kirby Smart got hired at Georgia, they were in Georgia a ton. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Like Mark Richt was a good recruiter, but not a great recruiter, the especially doors of, at the University the of Georgia. The doors of Georgia were wide open, and Ohio State knew that. So if you go look, they've got a ton of really good players in their classes from Georgia, like Von Bell, who I believe was from technically Chattanooga, Tennessee, but went Chattanooga. to high school in Georgia. Like He was a Georgia prospect. Uh, Raekwon McMillan, who's one of the best linebackers they've had in the last 10 years, who's now in the NFL, was from Georgia. There's a few others. And then when Kirby Smart got, got hired... Ohio State's results in Georgia went down. And then were they were high in California when Clay Helton was there and now Lincoln Riley's there. And if things are going well in Houston, then you know, it's gonna be tougher to recruit Texas now that you've got Texas, Oklahoma, who's got a brand name coach uh, along with USC, you're adding extra extra powers and there aren't a lot of weak areas. But the thing I will say about Ohio State is A, it's got one of the best sales pitches in America which doesn't change. And Texas and California are very big places. So it's not like they were spending a ton of time in Omaha and then all of a sudden Nebraska is hired. I mean, they spent very right. little time as it was in Houston, and that's where Texas A&M strong suit is. And if you go look at Ohio State's Texas results, a lot of them are from the Dallas area. Um, and I think that they were still probably in a pretty good spot there. Ohio State's still going to be fine, but it uncertain, it unquestionably is going to be harder. And I'm very curious to see now if Lincoln Riley lives up to what we expect that he will, and I'm sure that that will be the case. And if Texas is harder to recruit as a result of what Jimbo Fisher is doing, what's going to happen next? I mean, now too, like Florida, who which was Ohio State's number one out-of-state location during the Jim Tressel era, has Mario Cristobal in, in Miami now. And 
a new coach in Gainesville who got a five-star prospect away from Georgia. Right. It seems like like there aren't a lot of weak you, territories anymore. Right. You look around the map, like people are fortifying. Like I think that's a really the, the good story. Parts. Maybe we'll work on it. Maybe Landis and I will work on that together. I'll, I'll talk to him about it on the podcast that we record. Later. You can ask your editor, too. No, I want to ask him. I respect him more. Okay. Um, <laughs> By the way, slight tangent. I enjoy listening to your po- your Ohio State podcast with Bill Landis because you know I, I work with Ohio State. Yes. And I like to know as much about the team as possible, and you guys are good. You guys are funny. I almost drove off the road the other day when uh, you both said you don't like cantaloupe or honeydew melon. They're delicious. It's the bottom They're feeder refreshing. of fruit. I, I don't know where you get that from. They're, they're have you ever gotten it's a like shitty fruit dollar. bowl from a crappy restaurant before? Have you ever no. been to a breakfast buffet at a local? I don't buy fruit. You've never had a fruit bowl in a restaurant that comes to Yes, I have, but can- okay. a cantaloupe. It's always cantaloupe. A good cantaloupe is awesome. You like ban- bananas or trash? I didn't I like say, bananas I didn't sm- say you like- that you can't like them. I'm just saying they're my least favorite fruit. Fruit's okay. delicious. There's all sorts. Well, I'm not going to you for hot takes on fruit, okay? Well, yeah, I'm not. I don't know why somebody asked us that. Like, I would know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, mean I know much more about okay. fast food French fries than I do about fruit, but. Yeah, I listen to that part. I, I could not like, even come close to like, making. So, what, you think bananas are trash? I think we're just going to end up. I don't like. We're going to end that here then because bananas aren't okay. trash. I like them in smoothies. I use them in smoothies. I don't like just eating a banana by itself. Well, that seems like a you problem. I yeah, okay. don't like. It's like. The crappiest fruit that they put in the cheapest fruit bowls in a restaurant, I think, is an indication of where it is on the on the food chain of fruit. You Have you ever gotten a fruit bowl in a restaurant up a, without cantaloupe and honeydew in it? I don't really order fruit bowls in a restaurant. Have you ever been to an island buffet? An island buffet? Like a, a hotel yes, buffet in the morning? Yeah. Because yeah. you, you can't cut up a banana and put it in a fruit salad because it'll go bad in like a minute. You can put... Any type of fruit you want in a fruit salad, and it's always cantaloupe and honeydew. And when you're done with it, the only thing that's left is can- cantaloupe and honeydew. Do you know who the Wiggles are? No. Why would I know what that it's is? Because you have a kid who's oh, two months old, oh, three months no, old. she's too young for TV. Yeah, it's a band. They sing. They had a great song called Fruit Salad. It was yummy, yummy. So, all right, you want to talk recruiting, or you want to talk fruit salads? Um, I know I brought it up. Yeah, so you brought fault. it up, but I okay, I don't so agree with you. Okay. Um. All right, so Ohio State bottom line, still Ohio State. I still think that it's going harder. to be harder, and I'm, I yeah. don't think that it's like, oh my God, will Ohio State be able to sign a top five class next year? I'm sure they will. They got their kids in, in spots that they know what they're going to get. The thing I'm very interested in is how will they adapt? You know, at what states will they attack the most next year? Like, will they will they pull back a little bit in California? Will they pull back in the Houston area? You know, and and right now their 2023 class has no commits from top 100 players, so. You know, we're starting at a at a spot, you know, as we as we analyze this to see how they'll how they'll respond. So certainly something to keep track of. And, you know, I've made this mistake before because Ohio State always seems to find a way to be successful where you just kind of shoo away their problems because it's just like, oh, well, they have a lot of really good players and their coach is well known. They'll figure it out. But I don't want to act like that's not real. That's certainly real. Yeah, I mean, there could be a cycle in a year or two, and I don't, you know, Ohio State, I think Ohio is pretty good in 2023. Obviously, Sonny Styles is already committed, but there could be a cycle. Sonny Styles reclassified. Where, yeah, duh, yeah, good point. Reclassified to 2023. Which is why 2023's already. class is now not not where it was. So, but yeah, you're right. So, so the point, like, there could be a down year in the state of Ohio, and then maybe they just missed coming second on a kid from California that USC gets, or coming second on a kid that from Houston that A&M gets, and then you might, like that Michigan fan wrote in maybe there's a year where Ohio State's class is number six or seven and not number three or four. Well let me let me tell you this, Mitch, that you brought it up. The twenty twenty three class in Ohio only has it's good. no it's not. It's really? only got it's two not? top one hundred players. And one oh, wow. is committed to Notre Dame. Yeah, what's typical uh, about five? five probably or four. Yeah. You know? because um, uh Landis and Pete Sampson had a really good round table uh about two months ago about Penn, about Notre Dame and Ohio State going how Notre Dame of all schools has done a good job in the state of Ohio and they, you know, Sonny Styles' brother is at Notre Dame and he hadn't committed to that point. Yeah, and I don't so want to make thought, any... I thought the 2023 class was a little better. I don't want to make any, like, Luke Fickle has a chance to walk around Ohio with a national championship jokes because they're not going to win it, but it is kind of fun to think that Luke Fickle, a former Ohio State assistant and former player, could be the most successful coach if they get a win... Uh, maybe not. I mean, they are in the playoff and Ohio State's he, not in the state of Ohio, which is something that's really cool. And I, if you go look at 
the top 10 players in Ohio in the 2023 class. Two are already committed to Cincinnati. One is uh, a top six player. Um, so, so like you're uh, saying Ohio Cincinnati State, owns the state. If, 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 yeah, That's what no, you're no, saying. Not, not by any stretch of the imagination, but I will say that for the Minnesotas and the Purdue's and the Indiana's of the world, it, Cincinnati is going to out-recruit those people. Like I and think Cincinnati could hurt Kentucky. I wonder if Kentucky will will have to you know deal with this too. And but this will be a very good litmus test for the 2023 class because Ohio State's not signing a top five class at all, by, uh based on elite level talent in their own state. And if you go look at like the 2021 class that Ohio State had, Sonny Styles is a, a five star prospect from Ohio. If you go back to 2021. The number one player uh, in their class, I believe, was Jack Sawyer, who was from Columbus. Sawyer, yeah. Um, and it, like, I'm trying to go back and look at all their classes in 2020. Uh, who was their number one player? Uh, Julian Fleming from Pennsylvania, but they had a five-star top ten player overall nationally, offensive tackle Paris Johnson out of Cincinnati. So like, they're every single year, like in 2019, uh, five, number one player in their class, top 13 player, top 12 player, Zach Harrison out of Columbus. Like that player does not exist in the 2023 class, um, partly because he reclassified to 2022. So, but that that's true. But yeah, they're still going to be judged for how they do in 2023. So right, and like honestly, him reclassifying to 2022 helped Ohio State maintain its spot at number four. So they got the bonus this year. But you know, it doesn't matter what year it is; they got the bonus in one of the years. So. There's helped helped offset losing Quinn Now the last time Ohio State didn't have class. a five star prospect committed. Um, from the state of Ohio was the 2018 class, but they got Jalen Gill that year, who was a four-star all-purpose back who rated number 30 nationally. I don't know why he wasn't five-star then. And that was one of the best classes they've ever signed. So, yes, I think this is a very critical cycle for Ohio State and something to keep track of. And if they were going to have a dip in the recruiting results, I think this could be the year they do it because it's coming off of an off year. Uh, there isn't a very strong in-state presence. The other top 50 player in the state is already committed to Notre Dame. Like there's not a lot working well for Ohio state now, and they're going to need to go get five-star prospects out of Florida and in Texas and, and California. And it's certainly going to be hard to do so now based on the things that you just said. All right, let's talk quarterbacks. Looked this up yesterday. Um, 15 schools, 15 power five schools have not signed a quarterback in the 2022 cycle. Remember, 15? we wrote about this fifteen. We wrote about this last fall before yeah. signing day last year, including the February signing period. So, all total, only seven Power Five schools did not sign a quarterback. So far, we got fifteen. So, more than twice as many. You think it's because of the portal? Well, how many like, of those schools invited a quarterback in from the portal? We'd have to look that up. Okay. Well, here, here are the one. Here are the fifteen that have not signed. So, Syracuse, Pitt, Kansas State. Baylor, now Baylor had Zach Pryon committed, four-star, has since signed with Georgia Tech. Texas Tech, Indiana, Rutgers, had Gavin Wimsett reclassified, so that's yeah. kind of a asterisk there. Oregon had Tanner Bailey committed uh, since his sign with where, South Carolina. Yep. Washington had Jackson Stratton, who's a three-star. He, he decommitted. Cal had Justin Martin committed, went to UCLA. Washington State had Adrian Laura committed. Florida had Nick Evers committed. Kentucky has doesn't technically have a quarterback, but Destin Wade from uh, outside of Nashville is an athlete, and they're going to give him a shot to play quarterback. Then Ole Miss and Arkansas. Well, a lot so, of those players had five star quarterback, or a lot of those schools that you just mentioned had big time quarterbacks come in the year before, like Washington and Kansas State and Kentucky. All I mean, sorry, Rutgers all had big time freshmen on their roster this year. So that that yeah, might but be I, part so of them too. And I just think it's more the schools nowadays aren't going to reach on a quarterback that they don't love just to add. To well, the and a lot of them too just were kind of left with the portal. bag at the end of the at the end of the cycle too. It's just right. Like that's, so, so it's a little bit of extenuating everything. circumstances for sure. I think yeah, it's a little bit. Of I wonder everything. if I think it's a good thing that you brought it up though, because I think even though that list, you can like go down the list and be like, well, this team had a, had Sam Eward signed last year, so they're going to have a harder time signing this class, or Gavin Wimsett reclassified or Nick Evers decommitted after their coach got fired, you know, three weeks before the early signing period. Like those are all things that are just like, you can make a straight line as to like why they happened. Um, but I do wonder if schools are going to try to attack the portal as their main means of getting a quarterback. I don't think that's the right way to build your program, but it's certainly going to be a replacement. 
Um, Especially at the quarterback position. Yeah, and it'll be very interesting to see in the 2023 class, you know, how quickly some of these quarterbacks come off the board. Um, I'd be very curious to know how many are already off the board, if we're, like, being honest about it. Let's go look it up. Uh, In the 2023 class, um, the quarterback position, the number one quarterback is Arch Manning, so I think that's when it's going to be a a while. So only two, three, uh, five of the top 21 have issued commitments, so a lot of them are still out there ready to – oh, wait, no, I'm an idiot. I didn't click quarterback. Oh, you were just looking at players? Yeah, so two out of the top 10 have committed, uh, five of the top 16 – Six of the top 20 and seven of the top 25 have committed the quarterback position. And so, so like my kind of my point was like Florida. I think the Billy Napier gets the job. They lose Nick Evers like a week before signing day. You think he could let it be known that, hey, we're Florida. We want a quarterback. They could probably get a kid to flip somewhere, but maybe because of the portal, he's like, you know what? I don't want to take a chance on a kid. I don't know that well. He also probably wants to keep Anthony Richardson in the fold. Like if you're a new coach and you have a player that has a ton of potential that position on your roster yeah. and you want to gain trust, the best thing that you could probably do is just go into it, you know, attack. Uh, you know, like I don't know. I mean, yes and no. Uh, Harris is is transferring and Richardson will be in his third year next year. So I mean, Anthony Richardson can't get his feelings hurt if the new coach signs an incoming freshman who's two years younger than him. Well, the fact of the matter so. is too, it's just not enough time to get the guy you want. So I I, right. I don't know, you know. I'm sure that they shook trees to see if they could, if anything would fall, you know, and see if any fruit came out. But like, you know, any like cantaloupe, cantaloupe, maybe yeah. a delicious cantaloupe. <laughs> but I understand why, um, why they. Maybe didn't. you should do your rankings based on fruit. Like the top ten players are bananas, and like, like you rank eight hundred, you're a cantaloupe or something like that. Um, cantaloupe. So last year, the the, the seven <laughs> five star hearts though. Um, last year, the I'm looking the seven schools that didn't sign a quarterback. Uh, all signed quarterbacks this year, so it's not like it's a, a program's gone two straight years without without signing a quarterback. So I just thought that was interesting going forward and just seeing how schools react and pivot. Some of these schools had new coaches, like uh, in addition to Florida, obviously uh, Washington, Washington State, Oregon, uh, Texas Tech. So th- those are the schools that are more likely to hit the portal. Yeah, and interesting enough, I've been trying to track Zion Turner, who's been like yeah. the the number one rated quarterback from St. Thomas Aquinas. And like, I'm not familiar with like his backstory. So maybe something he has not. We, signed Manny, yet. we should probably ask Manny Navarro about him. Yeah, but he has not signed yet. So I've been like kind of seeing who was going to snatch him up, but he's an in-state prospect for Florida. And if they need a guy, he's a top rated quarterback in the country. Who's been um, kind of a free agent for quite a bit of time. So, um, but also he's rated the, number 573 overall player nationally so you know a lot of them are off the board already yeah and we had a mailbag question we go to mailbag in a minute but um it kind of relates to this who is the most underrated recruiting class this year uh teams people aren't talking about i put south carolina in there only well one reason is because they had two four-star quarterbacks tanner bailey late four-star number 218 had been an oregon commitment and uh, they had Braden Davis, who they got early in the in the cycle, a four star kid, top three hundred prospect from Delaware. So it's pretty rare nowadays. Two t- teams getting two f- four star quarterbacks, especially especially non elite teams there. So um, South Carolina, number twenty overall, I'd put them in that underrated. Clemson is one number twenty four overall. Their st- their average player rating is ninety two point two, which would be fifth but they only have 12 commitments. So I think some people will look at the rankings and think, oh, Clemson didn't make the playoff. They're slipping. They only have 12 commitments. The players they're bringing in are very, very good. Can we talk about something, though? It's our podcast, sure. Who is ranked one spot ahead of Clemson in the rankings? South Carolina. No. No? In the recruiting rankings? I just thought that was you were like making no, it all. No, I just want you to go look it up. Oh, wow. <laughs> the Ivy League... <laughs> Of the Southwest, you are Arizona Wildcats. That, listen, I don't give a shit if I'll, if Arizona wins another game for the rest of my life. Yeah, come on, you got it. I a don't. Bit. I don't think I watched a single Arizona game this year, unless it was the last game on and I was gambling. I. Uh, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, like when you consider your favorite stat. No, I, no, I've I'm not even going to throw it out. Half. Your favorite. Your favorite. Okay, can I say yeah, it? Go ahead. Arizona's 2021 class signed one 
top 1,000. I wonder if that's ever happened before at the Power 5 level. Which, I, you know what? I tried to start looking that up, and then I realized I'd have to go through every Power 5. Well, not everyone. I wasn't going to look up Ohio State, obviously. But like, All you'd have to do is go through the Power 5 and look through the four. And any team that has a four-star prospect, you can eliminate. Right. But a lot of them don't. So I didn't want to go back 20 years. But like I know you always say, if I was a recruit, like I really think that anybody as a recruiting coordinator at a Power 5 school, could sign two, th- two top 1,000 players. To only they sign one is... Did you ever go back and read the Swagcopter story? I sent it to yeah. you. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. You, like, you was that the meanest right. I've ever been? Do you? Yes. You, were, uh, you said some very mean things about Kevin Sumlin and his lack of effort. And am I... It, it, was re- it, it read like a... Uh, uh, like a, a lover scorned. Like I was you just had so much it's just disdain like it made for. No, well, I have. I don't have disdain for anybody running um, my alma mater's football program into the ground because it's never really been off the ground. What I do have disdain for is somebody who drives a Porsche 911 and makes four million dollars a year who isn't doing their job. Because there's a lot of Americans out there that work really, really hard for way less money, you know. And it's just like if you're going to have the job, you have. You don't even have to be good at it. But the baseline request that anybody can have while you're making that much money is that you try and like he just wasn't trying and i don't think he'll ever have a job ever his, again like, kid go to a, his kid's school had good players <laughs> didn't even come there's, close a, to there's a high school in tucson called tucson south point catholic during his last kevin someone's last cycle um as arizona's head coach there were multiple top 100 players on South Point Catholic's roster, one of which is B. John Robinson. You might have heard of him. Yeah. They weren't going to get him. I went to that school instead of the Ohio State Rutgers game because I was like, I don't want to go cover a game that's 65 to nothing. I want to go home and let me do some recruiting stories. And they let me do it. So I went to Tucson to write a story about B. John Robinson because Ohio State was recruiting him at the time. And when I got there, I was just bullshitting with the coach at the time. And he told me, that Kevin Sumlin has been there less than the assistants at Ohio State. And then I Google mapped it, and Kevin Sumlin's office was 1.7 miles away. And a lot of traffic. His Could be a lot of traffic. kid was on the team. His kid played for the team. So it's like he could even go to the games with his kid there. Like, And I just thought it was the most egregious abuse of of power when it comes to, like, just getting paid that I've ever seen. And he is the reason why if I were an athletic director, I would evaluate recruiting results as a metric for how well a coach is doing at their position. Because the only thing that we seem to do is, is look and see how many wins and losses a coach has every year or how they're doing, uh, you know, on the field. And we always dismiss for whatever reason, the recruiting results, because we're hoping that, a coach will transcend the results, but those results were so pitiful. It's no wonder he didn't make it past that. That was, of course that was gonna be the last class he ever signed. It was awful. So are you saying that Arizona is a better program than Clemson since they're ranked no, one spot ahead? I'm, of I'm saying that the person at Arizona is trying and I don't know what's happening at Clemson. Um, I think Clemson is in a very dangerous territory though. And I and but the play, again the players yeah. they are bringing in yeah they're they're pretty good are very good yeah, they, I mean but they've had four decommitments in the, like the last month from top 100 players right they lost their After defensive coordinator yes. I don't know what their numbers look like if their team is really young right now or they having a bunch of people back but 12 people committed right now with the majority of the top 100 off the board already like that's a problem like yes average player rating is always more important but when you sign 12 players to a team that's playing in the who gives a crap.com bowl like you need an inf- like an influx of talent into that roster so you know Clemson has never been recruiting at the same um level for the most part as Ohio State Georgia and Alabama they have a few years uh and in 2020 they finished number four or I mean in 2020 they were the fourth most talented team in college football in 2021 they were the fourth most talented team in college football and they've done that. But the thing I will say about Clemson is that they have not recruited to the same standard as these five-star juggernauts. And when they won their national championships, it was because they had a distinct advantage at quarterback with Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. They do not have that advantage anymore. 
even if Cade Klubnick goes in there and is the best quarterback in college football, Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State, LSU, Oklahoma have all recently signed five-star quarterbacks that are going to be very good. I just don't know if Clemson has what it takes, especially if Dabo is going to stay with the same shit about not taking transfers. You know, I'm sure that's that's going to change because the game is changing. But all of his rules that he has are not are not fit for the modern day, which is why he always complains in every press conference about everything because, you know, it's it's not the way that Clemson has done it. And it's just like what he did is by far the most impressive thing any coach in college football has done in the last decade, what he turned Clemson into. And I think he is no doubt one of the best coaches in the game. And I have a ton of respect for him. That said, I don't know if Clemson is going to be a national championship caliber team every single year moving forward the way they were between 2016 and 2019. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Could you make the argument then that Cade Klubnik is maybe the most important recruit of the 2022 cycle? I think any if time is, a quarterback is a five-star quarterback, that's the case. I think that a five-star quarterback... But at a school that I think a five-star has competed for national championships on the strength of trans, you know, uh, unbelievable But I think part of the reason why they won national championships is because the teams they were playing in the playoff didn't have them. Now everybody has them. So, of course, he's important. And I think that landing a five-star quarterback equals three other blue chip prospects if they hit like it, it's that important yeah we need to add this to the, the Wasserman formula to the recruiting rankings do you agree with that though yeah would you rather have three top 100 players um at random positions or would you rather have one five-star quarterback if you were starting your class not even close the quarterback yeah it's the most important yeah, position but if sports. you if you had like a five-star savage at nose tackle a five-star corner and a five-star running back or receiver or offensive tackle you might want to start there. So it just, you know, to me, I think that if you hit on your quarterback and he's a five-star talent that reaches his potential, there's nothing more valuable than that. So that said, like, I'm not saying Clemson is doomed. I'm sure that they'll still run the ACC. And, you know, I'm very curious to see what North Carolina can do if they continue recruiting the way that they are. But they're not, like, why is their class only 12? Do you know? I don't know about the scholarship numbers. Uh, obviously, the fact that they lost the, those four decommitments and did not, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know if they've replaced them all. So that, that's that's a good question. I, I don't know what their numbers are. Um, all right, let's go to another one mailbag question, and then we'll uh, go to the trivia question. This is sort of relates to what we were just talking about. Hi, Ari. Oh, hey. I live in D. Yeah, I live in DC. This is from Dave K. Maybe Dave Kingman. Do you remember Dave Kingman? I don't know who that is. Okay. You got to remember, I'm 15 years younger than you. Uh, you're 35. Yeah, 34. 34. Okay. Yeah. He's a, he's I think a, baseball uh, is the worst sport. Okay. Dave King was a power hitting, uh, I don't even know, outfielder, I guess. You don't uh, even know who he, he is. Hit, he would hit like two, he would hit like 205 and hit 40 home I runs. I know who Adam Dunn is. Okay. We, the, uh, my, he's the uh, old school <laughs> Adam Dunn. Okay. Hi, Ari. I live in DC and the state of Virginia intrigues me when it comes to recruiting. So far, so good. Good question. Good point. Unlike a fair amount of states, for example, Ohio, there doesn't seem to be a clear recruiting hierarchy in Virginia. I suppose Virginia Tech is at the top of the heap, but I really don't see the appeal there. Heck, the biggest city near Virginia is D.C., and it's not even in Virginia. Why would players from the DMV want to go to Blacksburg to a program that seems like it's only succeeded under Beamer? Do you think a school will eventually reign supreme in this area for recruits, or is Virginia and the DMV as a whole destined to serve as a recruiting buffet for a number of schools that are relatively nearby good question kind of goes to our point earlier about yes schools it like is Ohio a great State question Feast. i appreciate that yeah, it was I in your mailbag was there for the taking yeah, so many um, i will say like the question about why would kids want to go to to blacksburg i mean kids from all over go to places like athens georgia and auburn alabama and small towns small great well, it's not about towns. the place so I, I think he's talking about the program the program's a dumpster fire right now yeah so i um, i I, I, Virginia might be the most top three or four intriguing recruiting states. 
That should be, be a good story. If I like call, did we do a Virginia classified? Yes, we did. Yeah, we're recruiting confidential. Yeah, Andy Better did. It was good. Okay, I. But yeah, we're we're also considering doing a DMV one. If you want to put your raise your hand for that one. Yeah, maybe I will. I think that North Carolina is kind of proving to be the the team, right? North Carolina yeah. just got two five star prospects out of Virginia, didn't they? Yeah, and then go back to uh, Tony Grimes from two years ago. Yeah, so I mean, right now, and, and North Carolina isn't an in state school, but it's probably what an hour and a half from the border. Where I think it's probably closer than that. Yeah, you know, Durham, Chapel Hill. I don't know. Uh, I'm not very good. Dan Wetzel, I'm sorry, I'm not sucks. very good at the driving distances. Um, let's see, Chapel Hill. North Carolina to Virginia. Oh, yeah. It's way closer than that. Um, to Richmond, Virginia is three hours. Like when we were visiting schools, uh, we drove from Wake Forest to Virginia Tech. Risen from my son. It's like those two schools are only an hour and a half apart. So, so I mean, it, the results are there. Like, I don't know if it's sustainable, though. And like when you think about it, Clemson's number one, one, one of their number one states has been North Carolina because they're only, what, a few hours sh- south of Charlotte. It's like that's not that far away from Virginia either. So Ohio State's been in Virginia, Penn State's been in Virginia, Maryland is supposed to be in Virginia, and 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 claiming the DMV area, but it is kind it's of. It's also just a weird geographic state too, because as as um, as uh, Dave mentioned in his question, you know, the DMV area, like suburban DC, is a whole different. You know, that's. I just don't. I don't know how to classify states either like i've been to virginia a few times but like is virginia in the south i think i mean technically it is i think southern outside of you know outside of the dc area definitely the south you know richmond and and, and blacksburg and roanoke it's very rural it's extremely it's just rural. weird it's to me that it's too. that richmond virginia which is like two hours south of washington dc is the south wasn't the capital of the Demo- of the Confederacy? I'm not very big on history. It's hard to say that. It's hard to say that that's not. Yeah, part I knew of the that South. the Confederacy was really <laughs> big in Virginia, but I didn't know that that was the fact. My high school history teacher uh, failed me, but there, there, there's a reason. There's a West Virginia and a Virginia. Dude, are you gonna make me watch why the states have their shapes on Discovery Channel? That'd be good for you to watch with uh, your daughter. Yeah. Um, but I think the the reason why I bring that up though too is like culturally it matters. You know, like the type of state that yeah. you are and like the types of, you know, f- people that are in those states are probably more inclined to consider SEC like programs or, or, or teams in the South. Um, like geographically speaking, like as Richmond, Virginia is probably much more different from from Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, than it is from Charlotte, North Carolina. So, like, I think that, too, is is part of the equation. But right now, if there was a team that you're just like, who's going to reign supreme there? I think it's unequivocally been North Carolina. Whether that's sustainable, I think, is an interesting dynamic, but it's certainly been the Tar Heels. Yeah, you mentioned the cultural. We, we should talk to Andy Bitter about this, our Virginia Tech writer. I, I think Virginia Tech, the DNA of a school like Virginia Tech is much more SEC-like, and the University of Virginia is, is much more ACC-like. I think there are a lot of cultural wars between those two schools. Uh, historically, Tennessee has done, back in the heyday of Tennessee, 90s and early 2000s, they always did very well in Virginia and North Carolina as well. Um, in, in, in Georgia. But yeah, Virginia is a, uh, it's an interesting state, a good state for talent. And like the Virginia Beach area always seems to produce a lot of good players. Virginia's had some, a good run in there. It makes me feel uh, like Maryland they, is a sleeping giant. Like, why can't, explain to me why Maryland can't be Oregon of the East Coast. Why do you say that? Because Under Armour? Yeah, they got the same big time apparel relationship. No, I think Virginia Tech is, um, aside from the, uh, the Under Armour. Aside from having uh, a booster that owns or yeah, is a part of a major true. apparel company. See, like, I think Virginia Tech's the program that should clean up in Virginia. I think that uh, Maryland, with the right coach, should clean up in D.C., Baltimore, yeah. St. Francis, Richmond, New Virginia, Jersey. New Jersey, Philadelphia, New, Jersey. New York, Pittsburgh. Like, I mean, they're all like, like well, Maryland. They've got a coach whose reputation is basically as a recruiter. Yeah, no, it's it's not going well on the field right now. So I don't know. Right. It's going well on the recruiting. And no, it's not because they, they lose their players. 20, well, Right, that's what we talked about yeah. a couple of weeks ago. So they're signing top twenty-five classes, but they're not retaining those players. So what's the point? Maryland ha- has so much better geography than Oregon does, too. Oh yeah, like obviously too. Like let's not joke around here. I mean, Nike is so much more profound for a high school athlete 
both as a, as a status symbol and also as a money generator than Under Armour is. But if you have they a have better design, yeah, you've yeah. seen coaches' oh, shirts, the uh, yeah, Nike ones are the Under Armour. If I were awful. athletic director, the first thing I would do would sign with Nike because that matters, yeah. in my opinion. I think kids care about that sort of thing. Stars matter and Nike matters. Nike just makes cooler uniforms. Now, also, yeah. Utah's helmets are beautiful in the Rose Bowl. I don't know if you've seen those, the one with the rose. Yeah. But then yeah. you look at the uniform, it's like, God, they're Under Armour. I agree. That said, isn't the, the founder of Under Armour a Maryland grad? Yeah, if he's still involved. Yeah, I don't know if he sold the company or whatever. I'm, I'm, I don't pay attention to that. But if you start throwing, I mean, they're clearly an Under Armour school and their uniforms have been different. They have the, the flag on their helmet and they do all sorts of different things. You know, but if you get that turtle mascot back back into the fray and get some of those old school uniforms they used to have and these these the influx of money for the facilities which they've had and you get the right coach there, don't tell me that Maryland can't be a good football program. Like they've with, never, with, they've always been. They're usually good, never great. Going back, you know, if you hired Urban Meyer at Maryland, do you think they could win a national championship? Now this Urban Meyer, like five I mean, years I guess ago, this Urban, Urban Meyer is different. But like, yeah, five five years ago, Urban Meyer, like if he okay, left, let me take Urban Meyer out of the equation. I just did it because okay. he's a coach that's not coaching right now who has had a lot of success in, in college. About, okay, if they hired Jed Fish, obviously. No, uh, shut up. I, I'm talking about like, and I don't want to say Nick Saban because we always play that game. But like, if they hire right, if they hire well, Dabo, so few Sweeney, sure things. No, Dabo's not winning national title in Maryland. Are you sure? Nick Saban might. Nick Saban There's would make two win sure a national thing. championship. I can't Akron. call Dabo's. I can't call Dabo Sweeney a sure thing because he's only done it at one school. That's why Nick Saban and Urban Meyer in college are the only two sure no, things because they've but, done but it. Dabo Sweeney would attract talent to Maryland based on his reputation. It's the same thing as Lincoln Riley in California. There are certain coaches that are just sexy enough to automatically. I think Lincoln Riley is more. I think Lincoln Riley is more. His sexiness translates more than than Dabo. Like I've always said, like Kirby Smart is an amazing coach for the University of Georgia. I don't know if Kirby Smart, if he went to Oklahoma, would be as good. Like I think he's perfect for Georgia. He gets recruiting that state. He played there, whereas other coaches are good no matter what. Do you subscribe to that at all? Uh, I think that getting recruiting is so hard for a lot of coaches that it's just like it feels like it's a gem when it actually happens. And he's actually in the state, actually where, in the it state where it matters. So that I mean, it certainly helps. I would hire Kirby Smart anywhere else, though. Well, I okay. And I've maybe changed my tune the last couple of years. If you were University of Maryland and Kirby Smart and Dabo Sweeney both want the job, who do you hire? Dabo Sweeney because Dabo Sweeney built a program, and that's what Maryland needs. Good, good, good answer. I, I, I think that that's. Dabo Sweeney is an okay. instant legitimizer. I mean, I don't know. Like, I get that he's kind of Magoo. Like, I don't know how to describe him, but like, he wanted he, a place. I know they won the 81 national championship. Sometimes, yeah. and not everybody loves him. But like, Dabo Sweeney is a legitimizing he, coach without question. Yeah. They, he, he had a sleeping giant that he woke up. Yeah. And I think Maryland could be a sleeping contender. I don't know about giant, but. Yeah. And they also play I, in I'm one not of the quite as high in their potential. Football, so that also has to be taken into account. But if you think about the money that they could have there, the fact that Maryland has a tremendous education, you're like Mr. Like, what are the what what are the books that uh, rank colleges? U.S. World I Report mean, or whatever. Like what? Yeah, yeah U.S. News that's World you, Report. Because like he knows. Doesn't Maryland have a great financial? In, I mean, uh, academic institution. I don't think it's anything special. Oh, I it was it's, very fine, special. it's a fine school. It's not like North Carolina, or Virginia, or Michigan. It's, not? it's a fine school. No. Oh, I thought that it was a really good school. Okay. Um, it's a fine school. It's not like I don't also, think it that sells even itself matter, as so a. Who cares? Right. You brought they it up. They got great basketball tradition, which kind of makes it cool. I guess they've got cool uniforms. If Nike were to do them, uh, I guess in this scenario they wouldn't though, because you'd be using Under Armour money. But I, I feel like it has like the nuts and bolts of a good, of a potential program that could be really good if they got the right guy there. And for a while there, I thought Loxley could be the right guy, but I, I have more and more questions about whether or not he can run that program. Because not only is, is he losing, his teams look like complete death sometimes, and then they lose the best players they get in the portal. So, like, I don't know. My confidence in him is, like, dwindling. University of Maryland College Park 2022 was number 59 in national universities. Where was Arizona? Fi uh, 475. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't doubt it. I just, My tuition I just costs less than 
an annual pass to AMC movie theater. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I see it every day when I edit your work. Um, yeah. <laughs> can we, uh, good question. Uh, Dave Kingman. Yeah. Great Dave question. K. Thank you for, I hope he's listening. Yeah. Hope. Yeah. But uh, you should actually make a comment. I'll should, go put the link yeah. on there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we, um, any questions or I always scour Ari's mailbag for the ones he doesn't answer or sometimes the ones he does that I want to bring up in this podcast. So uh, feel free to drop questions for the podcast in Ari's mailbag, which you do about two out of every three weeks. So are you ready for the uh, question? Yep. Okay. A little more enthusiasm. I'm so ready to look like a moron. Okay. Seven programs that had a losing regular season record in 2021 signed at least four blue chip prospects, four and five stars, during the early signing period. Name them. How many? Seven. So seven teams that had a losing record in the regular season, so don't include any bowl results, signed at least four four and five star prospects. Missouri? They went six and six. They played in the bowl I can't game. remember what everyone's record is. Uh, There's a couple, a couple obvious ones. Stanford, yes, seven. South Carolina playing in a bowl game. Oh shit! I can't six remember everyone's six. record. Arizona, obvious. Yes. Yeah. I was going to bring it up earlier. I was going to bring up my stat earlier when you brought no, up Jed Arizona. Fish. But okay. Um, I'm trying to Arizona think. Arizona four. Lost. It was definitely an extra in that. In your, you were a little excited with that answer. Well, because we were just talking about it, and I would have been a moron right. if I didn't think about it. <laughs> okay. Um. There's one that's just so Rutgers awkward. is in a bowl game, right? Nope. Well, they no Rutgers <laughs> caveat. Rutgers is in a bowl game, but because Texas A&M bowed out, Rutgers is five so and Rutgers seven. So Rutgers is out. No, Rutgers is in. They so count. I, they count five and seven. Okay, five and seven. They and then four. the other one I would think is Maryland. They're in a bowl game. They went. So they beat Rutgers oh, they, to go to a bowl game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I don't know everybody's record. Okay, I know the other one. There's three. You you still need four. Oh, there's seven of them. Oh, there's seven of them. Yeah, one of them. One of them signed eighteen. Oh shit. Okay. Um, Don't you cover recruiting for a living? Oh, Texas. Yes. Okay, eighteen. Yeah. Sorry, so I forgot Texas, they went under five hundred. What a terrible yeah, year. Texas, Stanford, Arizona. It didn't even register to me that they could have gone under five hundred. To be honest, and Rutgers. Okay, there's um, how many? Three more left? to go. We we've talked about one of them a lot in the show. A decent amount. Maryland? You just said Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a lot about a team. Well, we talked about their new coach and how they have a really small class, but they're signing good players. Oh, USC. Yes. Okay. There's two ah, they more. They under 500, too. Okay. Did yeah, UCLA go under 500? No. UCLA just had its – don't you pay attention to the news? They just had its bowl game against uh, North Carolina State canceled. But it's like a weird bowl season where teams that aren't supposed no, to be in not. bowls are – only one. Rutgers is the only under 500 team in a bowl. Okay. Okay. One of them has won a national title in the last 15 years, and the other one is has not. Oh, Florida State. Yes, signed six. And then the other one, we have uh, – they had an awful year in the football field. Okay, so this is the last made, one, right? Yeah, made some noise uh, in recruiting in the offseason and kind of kept it up. Oh, man, I don't know. They play in the Big Ten East. Oh, Indiana. Yeah, five. So you, you, That didn't count as me getting it right. You basically told me the answers, but um, right, I did okay. That, was, that could have been worse. The fact that I forgot but, Texas makes it a fail, I think. Yeah, and... That you had no idea who's in the So like, read them all out. To, read them out again to everybody. Okay. And I'll, I'll, then there's three others that had multiple, more than one, which I didn't include in the question. So t these, are, these are the schools that had a losing record in 2021, signed multiple um, blue chip players. Texas had 18. Stanford had seven. Florida State had six. Indiana, five. Arizona, Rutgers, and USC had four. Then Georgia Tech, Washington, and TCU each signed two. God, so. a lot of really good programs had really bad years. Yeah, and um, I was going to do 
I had another question about five stars, but then there's just like there's so few five stars. So I I stretched out the to, to, to blue chippers. That was a great question. Stars. Thank you for bringing that to the show, Mitch. I try. See, you know, the point is not necessarily to make you look like a moron, which is but it's interesting. It's, it's interesting. Just, it's it's first discussion. Yeah, it's like ah, that's interesting. That was a good show. Yeah, I was I was happy about that show. Yeah, coming off our uh, coming off a of bye week. Yeah, we were recharged and refocused and healthy. You know. Yeah, yeah, and you got your your bearded too. Ari's got a beard. Everyone. Yeah. Also, like I'm a, going on vacation a week from Thursday, so we have one I more know, show. I saw that you put that in. Did yeah. you approve it? From, was it you that approved it? Yeah. A week from what? What day are you going? Thursday. So we can do our show on we Wednesday. We can, yeah. Yeah. Unless would I you call f- it beard? Four, I call it a good three-star beard. Yeah. I, I've never been a good facial hair person, but when I let it ride, it's pretty good. It's lined up. Yeah. I call it a good three-star beard. Yeah. Part of it's just because I just, two, uh, don't have the patience to do it right now, and B... I don't want to clean up the hair on the sink. So like, it's just like a lot of times when I was traveling, I would wait to be in a hotel room to shave. <laughs> Those poor maids. Yeah. Well, I think my beard is the least of their concerns. <laughs> <laughs> Send those sheets off to the center of disease control. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to, to wrap this up? Yeah. Do your thing. Yeah. Thank you so much for enduring uh, Mitch Light's <laughs> awkward intro to our show. I promise you we're more conversational than the Roboto voice that he does right <laughs> at the beginning. Uh, thanks so much for listening again to the latest edition of Stars Matter. Uh, for Mitch Light, I'm Ari Wasserman. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye.